Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, season five of Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built world. And today is a real special treat for me. Uh, Christy Hill, head of America's Asset Management and global head of ESG for PGM Real Estate, one of the largest asset management organizations in the world with 208 billion, yes, billion under management. Uh, Christy, really, for me, on my climate journey, as most of you know that have been following uh, Cretech uh, and Cretech Climate started in the prop tech sector, and you know that that community is really thriving. Um, some some hiccups lately, but uh, it, it's really scaling and thriving. And when I decided to focus on climate as sort of the next big ecosystem that I wanted to help be a part of and help build, Christy was really, I think she was the first one I connected to, and she's been such an inspiration. Uh, provided just great insights for me. Uh, and extraordinary leadership in the industry. So it's it's a real thrill for me to have Christy uh, on the podcast today. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Uh, it's great to be back with you, and um, glad that it's you know kind of progressing past COVID. The last time we were really focused on some of these things together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, better days for sure. So, Christy, could for those probably few people that have been living under a rock or on Mars. Uh, that don't know you, uh, could you just give the audience a, just a quick overview of sort of your career highlights and then specifically your role at uh, PGIM today? Sure. So I really am kind of a historic pure, pay, pure play real estate person, um, private equity real estate person, always through the lens of asset management, portfolio management, um, which really meant ESG was embedded in my role before we we called it that. Um, but about 2018, shortly after joining PGM Real Estate, they asked me to, to take on um, the role of overseeing our ESG program. So um, really well-timed because I think other than COVID, there's been little else that we've all been talking about since 2018. Um, other than, you know, other than COVID, it's really been ESG. So really brought that into the fold of my primary responsibilities and it's really just been amazing to watch the integration because when you think about ESG and where so much of that execution occurs, it occurs on the asset management side. So really being able to bring together um, a career long, you know, a, a career of asset management and portfolio management expertise and blend that now um, with this world of ESG, I think it really is um, really tremendous synergies there. And, and it's exciting to be tip of the spear on something that's clearly such a major trend in our, in our industry today. You know, Christy, one of the things that uh, it's apparent to me every day that I'm on this sort of prop tech and, and climate tech journey that PGM 
uh, in our industry, in our communities, real estate um, engaged uh, asset managers, real estate companies as it relates to technology, innovation, and climate. I mean, I work with your extraordinary uh, team on the innovation front, literally on a daily basis, and they're they're wonderful, wonderful to deal to work with. And you know, you want it, you got to. A, a new tool that you want to show them and, and introduce to them on the tech front. They're all in and they're trying to help and always on our stages. Uh, so just tremendous leadership and on uh, clearly on the ESG front. So, you know, it's what I always try to understand is how, how do companies like yours, which are so large and massive, where does all of this innovation culture come from? I mean, it must be ingrained in the company. It's something because you're just so active and forward thinking from prop tech to climate tech. How does this manifest itself internally? Well, I think it really comes from a very foundational place of wanting to make sure we're delivering for our investors. Um, you know, and, and I don't think in the world today, you can deliver on that value proposition for your investors with, you know, you, you can't do that if you're going to turn a blind eye to innovation or ESG. You know, first of all, innovation and ESG are now going hand in hand when you think about all of the, the tools and the data that's needed to advance it. But, but ultimately, um, to be a successful business, you've got to be forward looking. And, you know, we're not just trying to solve for the problems of today. We're trying to solve for the problems of tomorrow. And we build buildings today that, we own for you know five, ten, sometimes twenty years. So it's it's very easy to say what's right today. It's a much greater challenge to say is what's right today still going to be what's right you know when it comes time to sell it. And so I think it's really in our DNA to always be looking ahead. And it comes from the place of wanting to make sure you know we're continuing to um, mitigate risk and drive value for our, for our investors. Got it. Got it. Talk to us about, let's jump in on the ESG front. How, how, do you, how would you describe your overall sort of strategy uh, view uh, and, you know, to, from concept, objectives, uh, all the way through to implementation and measurement? How, how do you sort of frame uh, what ESG means to PGM real estate? You know, it's a really... That's such a big question and, and obviously, obviously a critical one. But I think when, when you're as large as we are, it has to talk, it has to start rather with what is your philosophy? Who do you want to be? And so we can, we can establish what those targets are, um, both from a tactical way. You know, we have our energy, our water, our waste targets. We have our net zero commitment. We understand what we're trying to accomplish on, you know, on the social front. But then you also need to be aware enough to know that you can't execute the same way in every global region. And sometimes there are data challenges. Um, sometimes issues don't exist in one region that exist in another one. So I think it's set your vision and then be reasonable about how to approach it. Mm. If you don't have access to data in certain regions, you're not going to be able to deliver you know, the exact same outcomes as you can in a region where you have complete and transparent access to data. In some regions, there are regulations that guide behavior, where in other regions, there aren't. So I think it's about sort of maintaining, um, I hate to say it's a little cliche, that North Star vision of what you want to accomplish, but also being targeted and tactical means you've got to be nimble. And if you maintain too much of a focus on that ultimate objective, it could actually hinder your progress. So I think you've really got to blend aspiration with humility. Yeah. And then 
you know, with an organization like yours that is just so massive in scale, how, how do you then measure progress? I mean, you've been, you said since 2018 to today, climate's obviously getting worse as we know it will because we believe in science. Uh, so how, how do you look at from your vantage point, you know, with this big responsibility, how do you measure progress then for what you're trying to implement? Well, I put that probably in two buckets. There's quantifiable progress that we can measure. So again, you know, when we think about the energy, the water, the waste, the GHG, we are collecting data around that. We do have targets. We can go back to that data and know, did I, did I meet the 10% improvement that I was targeting this year? If I didn't, why not? So I won't say that's the easy bucket, but it's certainly the more transparent bucket. Um, but I also think I measure progress in terms of how are we evolving our business to address these issues on an ongoing way? How are we, how are we building and maintaining a foundation that this, that, that, that our organization can grow on? So I think about it from a, even a, as it may sound dry, but a process, a procedure perspective. When you are, when you're executing in scale, it's really critical. So for us, evolving our diligence processes globally to make sure we're addressing um, ESG-related issues and whether that be how we are impacting communities um, in, our, in, our, in our markets, but also climate risk. That's something that we weren't doing you know, three years ago. Now we fully embed climate risk into our diligence process. Um, we work very closely with our asset management teams and we, we create asset-level work plans bespoke work plans for each asset so that we're helping them make ground level progress towards those overarching goals. And that's something that we weren't doing three years ago. Um, so I think as you, you think about evolving the platform, it's also about you know, creating the structure that can live beyond any individual so that the organization can keep doing the right things consistently on this front. And so whether it's diligence whether it's focus at the asset level, whether it's ongoing education of our team. Um, I think that's a really critical part of ESG that people often don't talk about. And you know, we, we want to look at the outcomes, but you can't get to that outcome unless you have a fully engaged team committed to this effort. And so making sure that we're creating and upskilling all of the members of our team across all of the disciplines so that they can be a part of this solution internally. I think that's a key part of of our effort. And I call it progress because I can see the growth of our team, the growth of the knowledge on our team um, as we've worked to educate our firm as a whole. Um, so I think there, there are many ways to measure it, um, certainly from the quantifiable to the, to the cultural. Um, but I think keeping your foot on the gas and continuing to evolve everything we do, but doing it in a methodical and disciplined way um, is really critical to that ultimate success. That's so insightful and helpful. And you know, with, with this podcast and everything I'm trying to do with Cree Tech Climate and, and this mission that I'm on, uh, you know, it's, it's all about education and inspiring others to follow the lead of those earliest adopters like, like yourself and your colleagues at PGM. And so, you know, like one of my sort of follow-ups or my takeaways from the, your, your commentary uh, that you just made was that if your message is to the rest of the industry that maybe don't have the resources and scale of a PGM. What I'm hearing is start with a plan, build a process, you know, put together a team. Like these are just basic, you know, structural components to implementing anything, right? So you don't have to be of the scale of PGM to make ESG 
a cornerstone of your real estate organization, right? Not at all. In fact, I um, I say this from a very good place. It's actually easier to do it if you don't have the scale that we right. Do. I'm sure. I'm sure. The foundational <laughs> concepts are absolutely the same. You want to create something that is replicable, consistently right. replicable, replicable and reliable. Um, because this is all, this is a progressive endeavor. And so, you know, whether you have three buildings or you have 300 buildings, you want to make sure you can do the same things day in and day out because it go, I'm sure I'm going to botch this quote, but the, <laughs> you can't improve what you can't measure. You know, yeah. Oh, you nailed it. You got it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then I, I would just also love to understand from your perspective, because you're, you know, you're living this every single day. You've been doing it for, you know, at, at PGM, as you said, for a couple of years, five years, I guess, or so or more. You know, what do you think about the environment today? Not, li- I mean, literally, we know what's going on in the environment. Um, but what, what do you think about sort of the state of ESG today uh, in, in our industry, of course, with the, you know, the sort of political dysfunction here in the U.S. I said that, not you, with, um, you know, uh, there are some examples of greenwashing out there that have been called out. Um but yet, you know, on the other side, we're seeing great tools and technology and great venture coming into the space. So there seems to be hope in terms of the solutions. And there are some really good signs that, you know, tenants are really making this, uh, you know, table stakes for them. So how do you think about the environment today? I mean, you got to be more stressed than ever, but I would maybe also at the same time more hopeful. I don't know. I, I think that's a great way to put it. That, that, that I am hopeful. And I think. For me, working across a global platform, I get really interesting perspective every day because we do have a spectrum. When you think about the global environment, um, you know, I, I can talk to colleagues in Europe and they're at a very different place philosophically right. on this than some of my, you know, my, you know, people maybe perhaps domestically. We know the regulatory landscape is far more advanced, um, in Europe than it is in the U.S., but I think what makes me hopeful is this speaks to what you were saying about, you know, the users that are coming to this. And, you know, we're, I, I may be a little skeptical that we're going to be able to rely on regulation anytime. I am with you. Your turn. And I'm with you. I don't, I don't even know if that's the perfect answer there anyway, but we're seeing pressure on this come from other places. So regardless of the regulatory environment, you know, we're seeing our investors continue to lean into this and make it a priority. We're seeing more corporates than ever make their own net zero commitments. Um, we know the users are clamoring for this, whether it be from a sustainability perspective or from a health and wellness perspective. And I also think we're seeing a generational shift in terms totally. of awareness around climate change. And that's coming from a generation um, that is willing to vote with their, you know, with their social media. They're willing to vote with their feet. And I think they're going to keep the pressure on to keep this moving forward in the absence of a regulatory framework. <sighs> Yeah, I hope so. No, I, I I couldn't agree more, and I um I echo what you said about the the next generation. I I, I do get inspired by them. I you know I feel just uh, as you know uh, this late stage in my life, I feel so much sense of um, regret and remorse and whatever and guilt about what we're leaving them. The state because my generation we knew in the seventies and the eighties what was going on we saw the trajectory we did nothing about it we did very little about it but they're they're like you said they're voting with their feet and their pocketbook so that does give me a, a lot of hope when, when you think about it, the other thing that's fascinating to me from sort of your vantage point and you've you've mentioned it a few times I just love to sort of understand that you have such a unique 
viewpoint because you're sitting on this global organization. And I see it. I see in Europe that they're so much further ahead than we are in the, in the U.S. in terms of making uh, ESG a priority within their organizations. What, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from other areas of the, country, of the world as it relates to ESG and, and sort of the PGM viewpoint? You, you're seeing great progress, commitments. What can we learn from that here in the U.S.? You know, it's interesting. I kind of want to start with where, where you let off, which is, you know, clearly Europe's better. And I think in some ways that's true. And in some ways there's a little bit of a myth in there. I think philosophically they're better and they're advancing regulation faster, but there's a lot of noise in a lot of that regulation. And sometimes yeah. we don't have, you know, kind of the, the innovation, the connection piece there. We don't always have the path to some of the data we need to satisfy that European regulation, where in the US, we don't have the regulatory push. Europe is definitely ahead in many ways, but I do think um, the, US, the US deserves a little bit of credit um, in, some of, in some of the tools and, and the approaches we take. But I would say is in looking at Europe, one of the biggest ones, um, one of two of the, I would say, lean on two, you know, we've really pulled in CREM from our experience in Europe and understanding that carbon pathway and starting to think about how to embed that in our due diligence process. Um, that's been something that really started there and has gone global. Um, we're starting to look at BREEAM and use as um, another tool that we're pulling from Europe. So any place where we think there is a tool that speaks to our ultimate objective on a global level that can actually be that has a global language. That's the important part. It's got to be applicable. I can't just pick up something. You know, we talk about EPCs in Europe through the lens of regulation. EPCs don't exist in energy performance certificates, don't exist in the US. So we have to find ways to work around those kind of hurdles. But where there is a tool that we can pick up and use and have it be applicable to that region, whether that, you know, and when with the CREM tool, we'll use it in the US, we'll use it in other global regions. We're trying to use um, and leverage. Sorry, I'm, this is my time when I step in and say, wait a minute, this is not coming out well. <laughs> no, it's coming out great. <laughs> so, so let me let me try to let me try to maybe start that one over again. I apologize. Um, doing great. Doing great. I'm trying to think about where I should pick up. I, I was sensing myself going down a rabbit hole there. No, um, no, maybe I'll it. try to pick up on you know where we think we can identify tools that can be leveraged globally. We want to make sure that we're doing that. Um, right. We don't just want to try everything because we know that there are different hurdles in every region for different reasons. So finding ways to a consistent carbon pathway is a big one. The CREM tool has been very helpful to us on that front. Yeah. And I, 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 I completely concur, uh, Christy, what you said about the U.S. versus other parts of the world. I mean, I feel like, you know, all the, the, the conversations I have with your peers in Europe, it absolutely feels like table stake culturally. It feels like it, it's, it's, really really mission critical to the real estate industry to and they and they've been for, far ahead i mean all the conferences that i've had all the, the podcasts and the means i have you know it's it's just the topic that everybody wants to talk about we're not so much here in the state but on the flip side i do believe that the u.s and here's my u.s bias i guess continues and will lead the world in terms of innovation and and here is where we will get not exclusively but a lot of the solutions that we need to solve the crisis and then that would just be and i have two other questions for you that would just lead into that my, my second to last question i've heard from your peers that the tools that you need for the most part are there would you concur with that that you have 
most of the, you know, the, 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 the toolbox that you need to be able to accomplish the objectives that you've stated? I don't know if I do agree with that. I think we have many of the tools that we need. I think we have many of the tools that we need to start collecting the data now. Very, to me, that's very different. Being able to get to, I have enough tools that can help me define the problem. I don't know if I have all of the right tools that I need to get to that eventual solution. And so I think that's where, you know, and I can look to our innovation team and, and Sarah Shank, who leads that for us, who's amazing. You know, she brings, you know, through our ESG Innovation Council, you know, a lot of interesting technologies that we think we're going to have to lean into going forward, whether there's, you know, we were looking at carbon sequestration and concrete, just as one example. So, yes, we can collect all of the data now and we, we have access to power purchase agreements and renewables, but ultimately to truly get to that net zero, I think we're going to have to see some some innovations to get us over that line at the end. Um, and I agree with you. I think that's going to come from the U.S. I I have a U.S. bias as well. I, I love our I love our innovative nature. I, and I think you've already seen so many businesses coming to the table and you've seen the amount of money that's gotten put into this. And, and I'm hopeful that we're going to have those tools that we need. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And obviously a huge, huge fan of uh, Sarah Shank. Uh, she's been a wonderful supporter of ours as well and a good, great friend. So glad, glad you uh, gave a shout out to Sarah on the podcast. Uh, finally, uh, Christy, I'd love to sort of understand, you know, what does the next couple of years look like from, from your vantage point of PGM and what, what do you, what, where's your attention going? Um, and, you know, what are you most excited about as it relates to the ESG um, mission that you're on? So there are a couple of, if I'm trying to look around corners for, for our program, you know, it's foot on the gas, everything that we're trying to do from a, you know, moving towards electrification, moving towards decarbonization. Um, but I think looking into ground up development, evaluating embodied carbon, understanding full life cycle analysis, when you're an organization that develops as much as we do, we've really, we're, we've done quite a bit of work there, but I think that needs to be something that we're really focused on and looking at. Um, and I also think while the E is clearly um, winning the day, we yeah. do not want to turn a blind eye to the S. You know, the E is winning the day. We talk a lot about governance, um, clearly in the face of regulation. Um, but we need to be mindful of our tenants, of our residents, of our communities. If you look across our portfolio, I think the estimated stat is we touch about 3 million Man. people a day in our real estate portfolio. And so we want to be thoughtful about how to create a strategy around the S that is global and meaningful um, and impactful. And it's not just about checking the right boxes. It's not about scoring well. It's about what are we doing um, in parallel with our efforts on the sustainability front to make sure that we aren't leaving communities or people behind. So I think that's also going to be an important part of our program going forward is understanding our impact on our tenants and our residents and our communities. I think we dropped the mic. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know what else. We can't do any better than that. And and for the audience to understand why I'm such a fanboy of of Christy Hill and Sarah Shank and the entire team at PGM Real Estate. Uh, Christy just uh, over the last 20 minutes gave you uh, living proof as to why it's such a, a phenomenal organization and why our industry is so blessed to have such extraordinary leadership on all these important issues, the E, the G, but let's not forget the S. Absolutely. I love it. And it's a great way to end the podcast. And Christy Hill, thank you so much spending time with me today and just you know all you're doing to make an impact you and your you and your team because uh those of us that are 
you know, not necessarily doing the hard work, but, you know, we're out there and we want to, we want to see change for the better. You know, we draw great inspiration from, from you and your team. So just keep on keeping on. Well, thank you for having me and talking about this is the hard work. So you promoting these efforts, that's, it's, it's huge to the effort overall. And um, I will say, I feel very, very thankful and fortunate to work for a firm like Pigeon Real Estate that is willing to make this a priority. Terrific. Thanks, Christy. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.